Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Market. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. You're listening to Wellness Talk with your host, George Batista. week. This is your weekly health and wellness update and this is George Batista. Welcome to Wellness Talk. Hope you guys had a great week and are ready to hear some good news from the world of alternative and natural healing. As always, this show is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, not intended to treat, diagnose, prevent, or cure any illnesses. So always consult your physicians when wanting to make major changes in health or embark on any new health programs. All right, so let's see what we have on tap for this week. We're going to talk about, many of you may like may, may like this actually because I know I do, peanut butter cuts breast cancer risk. I'm a big fan of peanut butter actually. Um, you know, those pe- there's a lot of people who are allergic obviously, but um, there is a new study. This is out of Baseline of Health Foundation, and it talks about uh, cons- young girls who are who are consuming peanut butter, they actually it's a good thing for them. Uh, as long as they're not allergic to it, it helps cut breast cancer. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Then, uh, how important is vitamin K2 with vitamin D? Extremely. It's, it's so important that it could actually help with uh, it could help with the progression of calcifications, calcifications in the arteries, calcifications in the breasts. Um, that lead to a lot of uh, huge problems. So we'll talk about that. That's from Mercola.com and the new research um, on that. Then we're going to talk about research regarding omega-3 supplementation and the shortening of your telomeres. Those of you who know I talk about telomeres a lot on this show. Telomeres are basically uh, the caps at the end of the chromosomes and determine how long you're going to live. And omega-3 uh, supplementation actually has a bigger effect on it than we thought. So I'll go over the new science on that. And 
Uh, we're going to go over our nutrient for this week, and it's, it's extremely important. It's because there's not only new research out on it, but you don't realize how vital it is to have selenium in your diet and how important it is regarding the function of your thyroid. Now, we know that thyroid problems are becoming more prevalent these days because doctors are diagnosing thyroid problems more and more. And they're realizing that thyroid does have a lot to do with a lot of the illnesses that are going on today. So we're going to talk about how to help those issues um, and how to get your thyroid back on track and how essential it is for uh, if you want your thyroid running smoothly. So how essential selenium is to that. So that's going to be our spotlight for this week. So I've got a lot of good information coming your way. Let's get started. First, from Baseline of Health Foundation... This is from John Barron. This is peanut butter cuts breast cancer risk in young women. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are actually nowadays specifically are telling, telling their children not to eat peanuts or kind of staying away from peanuts because of, you know, um, allergy issues and asthma issues that are coming up. And there's a lot of children out there who are now developing uh, allergies to peanuts and stuff. And I mean, it is, it is you know, it has been a big deal, especially... People who are for fear uh, of setting in anaphylactic, you know, reactions and things like that. So, you know, some people are telling their children to stay away from it. But this was a study uh, which was uh, took place at Barnes Jewish Hospital in Washington University, the School of Medicine in Missouri, and they actually found a link between peanut butter uh, being eaten frequently and the reduced risk of benign breast disease years later. Okay, now. There's a lot of different breast conditions that, you know, that, that uh, can manifest as years go on. I mean, it could be anything from, you know, hyperplasia to, uh, you know, um, fri uh, fri uh, fibroadenoma to uh, all different types of uh, polyps and, and things like that, all the way up to things like DCIS and things and calcifications and stuff like that. But... Uh, the, the issue was that they, they wanted to look at how, for whatever reason, there's there's some mechanisms in peanut butter and that actually, and it sounds simple, but that actually help affect that as the uh, children got older. So this was a study with subjects, more, uh, it was 9,000 girls between the age of, of 9 and 15, and they were followed from 1996 to 2010. And it concluded that, it, the study actually concluded when they were in their 20s. Now, and after analyzing the data, and they also actually, um, they, they, um, they focused on variables uh, and concentrated variables, including the vegetable proteins and, and the uh, eating of corn and, you know, those types of things. What they found was, okay, after, you know, after modifying the diet and things like that, they determined that a daily uh, serving of peanut butter, nuts, beans, and corn, that was what they were specifically eating, were all associated with a 68% lower chance of developing benign breast disease. But the single food call, uh, called out as the most potentially beneficial for preventing breast cancer was the actual peanut butter. Now, the peanut butter was shown to lower the risk of developing benign breast disease by 39% alone. And this was in the girls who ate this food uh, an average of, you know, three times per week. So that's very interesting. Now, they're trying to find out why it is that the peanut butter is actually, 
is you know it's is making such a big deal in the breast cancer situation or in the breast disease situation. Now, one of the explanations they have is that it may lie into what the girls were not eating, as with what they were. Now, the peanut butter is a you know it can be a healthy choice, especially if you if you're comparing it to a lot of unhealthy snack foods and things like that. But it can be a great way to boost up your protein in the morning, especially if you have some maybe some on whole grain toast or something like that. But uh, you know, it's a great way to boost up your protein without having to consume a lot of the animal fats and the dairy fats and the things like that. But, but peanut butter has about the same ratio of unsaturated to saturated fats as olive oil, about 80% unsaturated. So that could be one of the one of the reasons why um, you know peanut butter is is so prevalent. But you know, another reason why they're saying is because you know protein is so important, especially to young developing. Uh, girls or young developing people in general, okay, but protein is very, very important. A good amount of protein, especially in the morning, can help not only deal uh, with weight loss, but it can help to um, boost up your metabolism as well. So I think this is something this is something that uh, should be studied a little bit more. But, you know, my suggestion would be if you, you know, as long as your child is not um, allergic to peanut butter, as long as they, as long as they're okay with it, um, then, then you know, get get them some peanut butter two or three times a week, maybe in a peanut butter sandwich or something like that. Um, and by the way, uh, another uh, another reason why they're citing that it could be protective uh, with uh, for young girls as well is because peanut uh, because peanuts in general are high in phytoestrogens, phytoestrogens, which are known to be cancer protective. Okay, so that's another thing. Now we, you know, you you don't want to mix it up with the phytoestrogens in soy because the problem is that a lot of soy is genetically modified. So my suggestion would be, if you're going to get a peanut butter, you know, try to get one that um, doesn't contain anything like, you know, whether it's high fructose corn syrup, or get, you know, a little more natural or even organic peanut butter. That a lot of the companies now, especially the mainstream companies, are coming out with a, a very uh, very good organic and natural peanut butters that really don't have anything or have maybe two or three ingredients in it. So those are the ones I would concentrate on. But, you know, uh, my suggestion would be, you know, add it to a peanut butter sandwich with some whole grain bread or something like that or some or some good crackers in the morning or, or whatever. But peanut butter is a good meal. You can even add it to celery as a snack. But again, it's a good snack that is better for the children, you know, out there than giving them these, you know, these snacks with high fructose corn syrup or giving them these snacks with a lot of sugar or too much sugar. So I think peanut butter is a good thing. Uh, so, uh, you know, as long as your child doesn't have any issues with it, then then go for it. But this is good research for peanut butter. And those of you who like it, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of it. I have peanut butter many times. Uh, I'll put it on some, some sprouted bread or some whole grain toast or even some crackers as a snack. And I love it. Uh, my family loves it. So, uh, you know, indulge. I think it's a good thing. Okay, next, from Mercola.com, we're going to talk about vitamin K2 and how important it is uh, to be taking with vitamin D. Well, vitamin, vitamin D, we all know that uh, vitamin, vitamin D, vitamin K, and calcium are an important trio in this whole bone-building uh, matrix that, you know, basically as, uh, you know, we want to keep our bones as um, as healthy as possible and keep them from you know getting into any types of issues as as you get older like osteoporosis and and just you know brittle bones in general. 
So we want to make sure that we have these nutrients on hand. Now, this was a study here. Uh, it was designed to compare the effects of oral administration of vitamin K2, which is MK7, plus vitamin D, or vitamin D alone, on the progression of coronary artery calcifications. Okay, So one of the things you have to realize is that uh, part of the reason why there's a lot of calcifications, especially you know in nowadays, is because a lot of people who are not educated are not taking, they're taking calcium alone, and they're not getting the rest of the nutrients that they need, and that's a big part of what causes calcifications. It's not the only thing, but I think it's a big part of what causes calcifications in the arteries, what causes calcifications in the breasts, and all other uh, parts of the body, okay, that can lead to the progression of other diseases. So, you know, I always tell people that if you're going to take calcium, you're going to, you, you definitely need to take it with vitamin K, vitamin D, and even magnesium. Why? Because it's very important because vitamin K and vitamin D also help with the placement of the calcium and make sure that it's doing the right thing. That's, 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 that's fundamental in this whole bone building matrix. Okay. So, and what they, uh, what they did was in this study was, it was the data revealed in this study, okay, that uh, a slower progression of calcifications in those taking both vitamin K2 and vitamin D compared to those taking vitamin D alone. Okay, so not only just calcium alone, but also taking vitamin D alone. You need to take these things together. It make and it makes sense because vitamin D provides improved bone development because it helps you absorb the calcium. Okay, so vitamin D is extremely important in the absorption of calcium and a lot of things. But also, vitamin K2 directs the calcium and actually puts the calcium in your skeleton, uh, into your skeletal system, and makes it deposited in the right place. It gets it, you know, deposited into the bone matrix, and that's what you want. And why is that important? Okay, I'll tell you why that's extremely important. Because vitamin K itself especially K2, which is what we're talking about here. It works in harmony with bone-building carpenter cells. Now, you have these bone-building carpenter cells called osteoblasts, and you also have what's called osteocalcin, okay? And now, osteocalcin is a hormone secreted by the osteoblasts. The osteoblasts are your bone-building carpenters, okay? So the osteoblasts are the ones that build the bone after it gets stripped down, and you, you know, as you go through life, um, the osteoblasts, especially when you're young, the osteoblasts are running wild, building bone and building bone and building bone because you need to grow as you get older. As you get older, the osteoblasts don't—they uh, start to—they start to not work as well because you're getting older, and uh, you know they start to slow down a little bit. So that's why you know it's important to have all these nutrients. But now, so you have these these osteoblasts, but you also have what's called osteocalcin again, which is a hormone secreted for the form uh, for the bone form process. It's also involved in pancreatic and insulin function as well as adiponectin secretion, okay? But now what vitamin K does, and it's very important, is vitamin K actually helps um, by, um, by helping the formation of osteocalcin. So it helps uh, osteocalcin become biologically active, okay? Because once the osteocalcin is, uh, is biologically active, then it becomes the glue that takes the calcium that you ingest and actually puts it into the bone structure. Okay, so you got to keep in mind that you have this 
this, this whole matrix. So again, you're taking in the calcium, the vitamin D is helping to absorb the calcium, then the vitamin K2 is taking, is, is producing osteocalcin, which takes the calcium and puts it on the bone. Okay, so that's where you have this whole formation and this whole matrix. So that's why vitamin K2 is extremely important. And a lot of studies have shown that vitamin K2 is important in the prevention of fractures. It's important in the prevention of, of just regulating your gene signals. Um, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's extremely important in this whole matrix. So, so that's why it's, 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 you know, it's part of this whole thing. So these studies have been shown that you have to take everything in general. The best, the best type of vitamin K2 is the, uh, is the miniquinone 7, okay, the M or the K MK7 is one of the best forms of vitamin K2. You can get that in supplement forms. A lot of companies have that in supplement form if you can get it. Um, some of it ha some people have it in their multivitamins, but extremely important to take together because it's all, again, all part of this bone building matrix. So make sure you're getting your vitamin K, make sure you're getting your calcium, uh, and make sure you're getting your vitamin D so they can all work synergistically together. But you got to remember that also vitamin D is going to be responsible not only for the absorption of the calcium, but it's also going to be responsible for your immune system and, and a whole bunch of you know, other things that it does in your body. So these all work together. And these will all work together in the prevention of osteoporosis as you get older because these are things you want to work on as you get older. Okay, so uh, just look at these things and keep these things in the back of your mind in your toolbox as you're getting older and making sure you don't have any issues as you go. All right, next, uh, uh, this is omega-3 fatty acid supplementation reduces telomer shortening in the cognitively impaired. All right, well, this was a study. This was, uh, this was out of the journal Nutrition, okay, and it found that a reduction in the shortening of telomer length among men and women with mild cognitive impairment who were given omega-3 polyunsaturated uh, fatty acids, specifically EPA, DHA, as well as linoleic acid. Now, those of you who don't know what telomeres are, I've, to I've talked about them in the past in this, uh, in this um, podcast. Telomeres are basically uh, little, they're little caps on your chromosomes or on your DNA, okay? And these caps, uh, as you are growing or as you're going through your life, they shorten little by little. Okay, and theoretically, uh, once they shorten to the point where they just, you know, where they kind of fizzle out, that signals kind of the death of that chromosome or those cells, and um, it basically determines how long you're going to live, in essence. And there's a lot that goes into it, but basically, it determines how. Now, there's a, you know, you have what's called a Hayflick limit, which is a, a gentleman named Hayflick, who determined that theoretically, if you're, if you're if you don't have any stressors on your body, for example, and you don't have any, which we all do, of course, but if your body was, you know, didn't have any stressors and didn't have any free radicals and was able to just live life without all these things hitting it, um, you would theoretically be able to live to about 120. That's how you're kind of, your, your cells would be able to split and divide all the way to about 120 years old. But obviously, you know, most of, you know, most people don't live that long. I mean, there are a few people that have, but uh, most people don't. So, um, theoretically, your telomeres, like I said, shorten as you go. And um, the studies recently, as of the last maybe 10 years, 
have been focusing on how on different nutrients on how to actually slow the progression of the shortening of the telomeres okay so a lot of research has been going into that and how we can kind of live longer so they've talked about a lot of different nutrients that help with that vitamin d is one of them uh, all different types of green foods and all different types of uh, you know just fruits and vegetables antioxidants in general uh, but now they're talking about another one here, which is omega-3 fatty acids. Um, not only they help to shorten the telomeres, but actually help to shorten the telomeres of people with mild cognitive impairment. Okay, so now these were Australian researchers. They uh, randomized 33 cognitively, cognitively impaired participants over the ages of 65, and they received uh, 1.67 grams of EPA plus uh, 160 milligrams of DHA, 400 milligrams of EPA, and 1.55 grams of DHA. Uh, but they also received um, omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acid, uh, linoleic acid, for six months. And then they analyzed their blood uh, samples, and they were, they were analyzed for the telomer length before and after the treatment period. Okay, so they analyzed how their telomeres, you know, how long they were, and that type of thing. So... While all the three groups on the, all the three groups that they test that they tested actually underwent telomere shortening during the six month period, participants who received the linoleic acid had the greatest amount of shortening. Very interesting, and it's funny because they actually said that the DHA supplemented and EPA supplement group didn't have as much of an effect as the linoleic acid, which is the omega six polyunsaturated fatty acids. Very interesting. Okay, but basically, bottom line is this. You can actually, uh, you can actually modify the length of the telomeres by how you live your life and how you, you know, what's in your diet and the nutrients that you take. Okay, so, you know, you can slow down the progression of the telomere shortening as as you go by again making sure your vitamin D is accurate, making sure your omega threes are are in line, making sure you're getting the right nutrients, making sure you're exercising. All these things because all these things you know, help you, you know, in general, live longer as you go. So, what you want to do is make sure you have enough omega-3s. Linoleic acid is great, DHA and EPA are great. Making sure you're having at least 500 to 1,000 milligrams daily of essential fatty acids. To um, And you got to remember that cognitive impairment also can be helped because if you're taking your, your omega-3s, omega-3s not only are good for cardiovascular issues, but they're also good for going to your brain and making sure that your brain um, is doing what it needs to do to repair cognitive decline. And um, boosting up all the brain-derived neurotropic factor that's in the brain, making sure that it, that it um, is doing what it needs to do to at least slow down cognitive impairment. Okay, I mean, obviously... We don't have any kind of cures for the cognitive impairment or the dementia or the Alzheimer's at this point, but if we can slow it down and you know live life you know uh, free of that as we get older, that's what we're kind of looking for. So, omega three is very important to that, and I think you guys need to have that in your diet. Uh, I know I do, and uh, it's very important. So, more research will come out on it hopefully, but this is good news about regarding telomeres and the shortening of them. So, check it out. Okay, next, selenium. This is going to be our nutrient for the week. 
and how important it is to thyroid function. So let's talk a little bit about thyroid function. Let's talk about selenium. Well, um, I've gone over thyroid a little bit here, but those, those of you who are uh, don't you know haven't heard those shows, you can actually go back and check them out. But um, why is this important? Because again, thyroid cancer and thyroid issues are becoming really, really big in the last 10 years, and doctors are realizing how important the thyroid plays in pretty much everything in your body at this point, okay? And why people now, more and more people are being diagnosed with it because the doctors, you know, doctors are now realizing that thyroid is is more important a lot of the disease process that's going out there, okay? So let's talk about it. First, we know that, uh, you know, your thyroid is responsible for um, your metabolic pace while at rest. So, for example, it's like um, I've heard it described as the drummer in the band, keeping pace. That's what your thyroid does. It's one of the things. Your thyroid does a, a ton of things. But one of the things it does is regulate your pace at rest. Now, we're not talking about getting up and running across the room. That's adrenaline. We're talking about thyroid function. So if you're sitting down and you're conking out right away for no reason, then you might have a thyroid issue. But thyroid also regulates your metabolism. Thyroid regulates your body temperature. Thyroid regulates... Um, um, you know, just how fast your energy and how your cells use energy, okay? So thyroid is going to govern all these things, okay? And, and if you're having a problem with thyroid, in general, many of these things are going to become, you know, you are, are going to be not working properly. You're going to, if you're, if you're starting to get a sluggish thyroid, you can, it can lead to weight gain, it can lead to loss of hair, it can lead to low energy, it can lead to uh, cognitive uh, impairment, it can lead to, you know, all different types of, of these of these issues, especially if you're you know having a problem with so one of the one of the reasons why selenium is more important is most important in this issue is because selenium is responsible for the conversion of your thyroid hormone so to produce energy in your body. So for example, when your thyroid produces when your your thyroid producing uh produces hormone, you know, your thyroid hormone, it produces thyroxin or what's called T4, okay? Now, it produces T4. Now, T4 uh, goes down through your body, but it's not necessary. it's not the biologically active hormone that your body uses. It has to be converted, okay? So that T4, and the reason why it's called T4, just so you know, it's because it's an I, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, um, protein, which is tyrosine, surrounded by four molecules of iodine. That's why it's called T4. But in order for that to become active, it has to become converted, okay? It has to convert to T3, which is the biologically active, um, uh, you know, active compound that your body uses. And where did this conversion occur? This conversion occurs mostly on your liver. It can convert, it can uh, do it on your kidneys and your muscles as well, and it can do it in your brain. But most of it, the majority of the conversion takes place on your liver, and it's actually on the outer surface of your liver, not in your liver. But in order for this conversion to happen, one of the things that is involved with the conversion process is selenium. Selenium is essential for this conversion, okay? So, selenium helps to converge, basically knocks off one of the iodine molecules and makes it into T3. Then T3 goes into your cells and tells your cells, uh, the mitochondria of your cells, how fast to run your metabolism and how fast your energy should go. You know, in a, in a nutshell, that's what, what happens, okay? Now, 
Um, cells within your thyroid gland are called thyrocytes, and they, you know, they produce a protein called thyroglobulin. Now, it is thyroglobulin's job to connect iodine and tyrosine to form the basic T4. That's, that's what happens. But as it turns out, a tremendous amount of free radicals are generated during the process of the formation of, uh, which, which, which form uh, hydrogen peroxide in your body. Now, these free radicals need to be deactivated. Okay, so one of the things that happens is if these free radicals are not deactivated, then it can cause a, disrupt, a disruption in your thyroid. Okay, if so, now one of the ways that's um, that these free radicals uh, that are generated gets deactivated is through is through the use of selenium, because selenium, if your selenium is low, then the uh, the the um, uh, the activation, or, or I'm sorry, the if selenium is low, basically it, it's not going to activate the glutathione to help to get rid of the free radicals, and that's going to cause a problem. So that's one of the things that selenium is responsible for. But also selenium is need selenium is needed for the um, for the conversion of T4 to T3. That's number two. Okay, so selenium is vital for that. Okay, now. Um, Selenium, selenium is also used by your body for immunity and detoxification purposes as well. Okay, so in, you know, in condition of selenium deficiency, you have a number of vital bo um, body systems that need selenium. Very, you know, that that kind of cry out for selenium. So, you know, those of you who are who get sick easily or have a sensitivity to chemicals. Uh, may have low selenium issues, okay, as part of the problem, okay, along with symptoms of hypothyroid, okay. So, um, you know, another thing is if you're dealing with, you know, let's say working around chemicals, if you're working around too many chemicals or pollution, or if you just have poor health in general, it uses up your selenium. And many people uh, with chronic health issues lack selenium. That's one of the one of the other issues. Okay, so selenium is vital to this whole process. Selenium, um, all the selenium reserves in your thyroid gland and your brain are the last to diminish. Also, okay, so even if you're, even if you have, uh, you know, a selenium deficiency, um, you know, the active uh, uh, the activity of your thyroid related function can decrease by ninety nine percent in your liver and your kidneys, but in your brain. Also, it will it will only go down about fifty percent. Okay, so because why your brain is needed to you know your brain is a last ditch effort for uh, because you need your brain to you know obviously like uh, to use every day. So I uh, hope I'm not getting too complicated here, but the the whole point of it is that selenium is is needed. Now they've done recent studies have shown that 100 micrograms to 200 micrograms or all the way up to 300 micrograms of selenium has have been found to uh, help with not only uh, cholesterol issues, but also just to get your thyroid back on track. Um, a study of high-dose selenium, about 1,000 micrograms per day, also to 1,500 micrograms per day in sepsis patients, found that the dose was highly effective in boosting antioxidant enzymes, enzymes that clear toxins. And, um, you know, of course, those of you, you know, somebody who's in sepsis has very, very high toxicity. Okay, so... Selenium helps to boost glutathione, helps to, helps to clear toxicity. Also, uh, cancer prevention studies showed that 200 micrograms of selenium reduced cancer by 25%. Okay, another, another, um, another one that's uh, 
uh, very important because uh, selenium in cancer prevention. So selenium in general is very key to not only your thyroid, but just in general in your body. So you need to make sure that you have adequate selenium. Again, get it in a good multivitamin. Now also realize that selenium is not as prevalent in our food these days because of the way it's grown. So there's a lot of selenium deficiency going around. So my suggestion would be get it in a good multivitamin, get it in your, your powders, get it in a supplement form, but make sure you're getting a good enough selenium. Get, you know, if you, if you think you have thyroid issues, um, you know, a lot of doctors like to prescribe thyroid hormone medication uh, for people with thyroid issues, but a lot of times it may not necessarily be the thyroid itself. It may just be the conversion uh, process and a lack of selenium, a lack of iodine, a lack of iron, a lack of zinc. Those types of things are needed all in this conversion process to make your thyroid and your energy run smoothly. If you're lacking in any of these key nutrients, you can definitely have a problem with energy and have a problem running your metabolism correctly. Okay, so, you know, my suggestion would be to make sure you're boosting up on those if you think you have a thyroid problem as well, and then you work with your doctor to see if the dose of thyroid hormone is correct or not, or should be changed, and so on and so forth. So again, selenium, very, very important in this whole process, um, but it needs to be looked at, and um, I think, uh, you know, it's something to add. Again, a lot of multivitamins have it, so check it out. All right, uh, finally, we got a question here uh, from Marsha, 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 Marsha. And uh, she wanted to know, she says that she wants to add, uh, she says, I want to add protein to my diet because I'm overweight. I've already started an exercise program about three times a week. My friend told me that too much protein is no good. Uh, but I have been researching that protein is good for you uh, if you're working out. Uh, help. <laughs> what is uh, what what is best? Uh, I guess I'm, uh, you're, I'm assuming you're asking which protein is best and how much is best maybe? All right. Um, yes, protein. Uh, I always advocate for protein uh, on this show because it's very, very important, especially for weight loss. You know, the the Western medicine's guidelines for protein is basically just so you're not deficient in it. But, the, you know, in my estimation, they don't really take into account what kind of stresses you're under, if you're working out, what kind of activity you're under, if you're getting sick a lot. You know, they don't count all those things in it, okay? So protein uh, is very vitally important. You know, I mean, and this whole, pro, this whole you know, thing about, oh, you're taking in too much protein and it's going to cause acid to ash and all this. That, to me, that's a lot of nonsense. To me, I don't agree with that at all. Um, as long as you're making sure that you're, you said you're working out three times a week, and I'm assuming if you're working out intensely, then um, it's okay to take a good amount of protein because you're putting that protein to use. Now, if you're sitting on a couch and you're watching TV and you're not doing anything, you're taking whole, you know, a, ton of, a ton of protein, then yeah, you're not going to use that protein properly. Protein has to go into your muscles to repair your muscles, but protein is also responsible for a lot of other functions in your body. It's responsible for helping your, your, your liver regulate metabolism. If you withhold protein from some, some, uh, somebody, which a lot of people, you know, which some people have done, if you with, withhold too much protein, it actually does affect your liver in a negative way. Okay? So you want to make sure, you know, uh, protein activ activates your liver's metabolic processes. Protein is also responsible for the, um, for the maintaining or the building of helping your immunity, okay, especially whey protein. Whey protein is, is very, very important. I mean, whey protein acts, uh, activates a lot of metabolic genes in your body. It actually helps with calorie restriction. 
whey protein is very important with um, with boosting your immunity with with lactoferrins with, which is what is in mother's milk with protecting your immunity from a lot of different things um, extremely important so uh, my suggestion would be you know if you want to start out with a good ratio of protein maybe half your ideal body weight in grams of protein per day um, you know so you know I would say maybe 60 to 70 grams of protein depending on but you have to look at how much you weigh so you know maybe you know 150 pound man um, you know maybe 60 to you know 60 to 70 grams of protein if they're working out regularly if you're working out intensely but the key is you got to make sure you're working out intensely so you can that protein can be utilized properly that's one of the keys the best protein to get whey protein again because it's the most biologically active it's fast in your system works works very very well in your system but some people you know if you if you have an issue with uh, whey protein then go to things like pea protein hemp protein or brown rice protein those are all good as well not as fast acting as whey protein protein is a little more heavy but it's very fast acting in your system okay um, so that's what I would suggest first a protein shake in the morning maybe after you work out um, or just a protein shake in the morning to get yourself started and uh, you know that that's what I would suggest you other forms of protein are good too it doesn't necessarily have to be whey it could be uh, organic eggs it could be um, peanut butter as we talked about it could be nuts it could be you know other forms of protein that are good that are not uh, you know I would stay away from any proteins that have any you know uh, what do you call it uh, that have any hormones or antibiotics and those types of things so you know it's kind of concentrate on the organic forms but that's what I would suggest so hopefully that helps you with a good exercise program and eating making sure you're getting your antioxidants because those are also important for buffering any acidity in your body okay so I uh, hope that helps you out a little bit but protein is fine uh, as long as you have a good ratio and you're working out properly all right so that's it for this week hope you guys got some good information I will be back next week if you have a question for me go to georgebatista.com and uh, type it into the uh, contact session uh, contact section probably so again until next week have a great week everybody take care and be well If you're looking for a New Year's resolution that's easy to keep, I have just the one. Resolve to help protect your identity with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. LifeLock alerts you to potential threats to your identity. And if you have a problem, a U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft, but help keep what's yours, yours, by resolving to protect your identity. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. 
Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug & Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Market. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.